Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I'm pumped to be here kicking it with y'all in the diner. Today, we're talking to my man from down south. We're down in North Carolina. So when I think North Carolina, I think diners. You know I got to go to Waffle House. You know I'm getting that all-star special. You know I'm getting them scrambled eggs with cheese. I'm getting a waffle, pouring every little bit of butter I have in every single one of those squares. No square left untouched by butter or syrup on my waffles. I'm getting grits, too, because that's how we do it down south. But either way, my friends, I'm excited to connect with you. What are you having at Waffle House today? You're going to get one of those steaks? You're getting fancy? You're getting a steak? Good for you. Get yourself one. I don't know if it's a real steak, but get it. I'm excited to be connecting with you today, my friends, here in the Waffle House down in North Carolina with my boy Odell Bizell. You can't make up a name like that. No one can. But that's his name, Odell Bizell. Let me tell you about him. He is Andy and Doris's firstborn, Christine's favorite, Sierra's husband, Michaela, Rain, and Will's dad. You know, Christine's favorite, but Sierra's husband, you know, I don't know the whole story there, but I'm just saying. Anyway, let's keep it moving. After all that, Odell is a master marketer, a superior communicator, and a professional speaker, author, and coach to thousands all over the planet. He was voted Guilford County's 85th funniest person in a random study. Bring it, y'all. Odell's career has spanned close to 15 years as a speaker, writer, podcast host, and a self-proclaimed greatest basketball player, rapper, speaker, published author in the history of the world. I challenge one of those, rapper. Anyway, it's fine. I'm bringing him out right now. My man, Odell Bizzell. Hey, hey, what's going on, Diner Talks family? James Robo Robolata, what's happening? What's happening? My man, how you doing? What's going on down in, in Greensboro? Man, I'm living the dream, man. Uh, winter, or uh, the fall of winter hasn't hit us yet. We, we looking at 70 degrees today, so feeling real good. We are at the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> Officially, Minnesota got hit with winter. Uh, the high today is 12. Good grief. <laughs> Ash, I'm Ashy just thinking about it. <laughs> I am too, but you can't tell. Privilege. Anyway. Um <laughs> too soon. Is that too soon in the interview, Odell? Anyway. Um, but uh my man, I'm pumped to be with you. Odell, we have uh been friends for a number of years now. Um, and I've had the the honor and the privilege of getting to know you more and more. I got the take you out to a lovely Brazilian restaurant um, in, uh, where was it? Where, what's that? Was that, was that Arkansas? Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas. Little Rock, right? Um, yep. yep, for sure. You didn't know what we were eating. You just trusted me, and I appreciated that, man. Uh, you told me that you don't like to eat outside your hotel room on the road, so I appreciated you trusting me in that moment. But we have been friends for a long time, um, and uh, I've come uh, to admire you and really respect you, and so I'm excited that you're in the diner with me, my man. Sorry it took so long to get you here. Um, but uh, pumped you here, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you. And uh, for everybody listening, if you're listening to this guy, you know that he's the real deal. But if perhaps you're listening to this because of me and not him, I'm here to tell you that this guy's a real deal. Follow him. Listen to all the things that, he, that he's saying. I'm just pumped to be here, man. You know, Waffle House is the place. For it is, sure. man. It's the spot. What's what's your late night? This is called Diner Talks with James Odell. We got to talk about late night eating. What is, do you have a late night eating guilty pleasure? Not really, man. Um, well, I, so my wife, uh, Sierra, and uh, the introduction was hilarious, by the way. Christine is my grandma. So that, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean by that? Christine's my grandma. I'm the favorite uh, grandson. So any of my cousins listening to this, you already know what it is. But um, so my wife is a holistic health coach. Mm-hmm. She she made us a dry house for a number of years. Dry meaning not alcohol, but sugar. So when I was on the ro- when I'm on the road, that would usually be my time. You know, Oreo cookies, uh, peanut M&M's uh recent like all of that stuff yeah now when i'm at home if i get up the the most 
sugary lux luxurious thing I have is my uh, cranberry dried cranberry cashew almond pumpkin seed trail mix. You, you devil, you. <laughs> So I don't, I don't have anything. Like we don't have any juice in the house. It's, uh, you know, it, she says that it's gonna, I'm going to thank her when I'm old, but mm. yeah. So let's we'll leave it at that. Wow. Can't blame it on the juice. Got me feeling anyway. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, shout out to Jamie Fox. It actually brings us to our sponsor, Odell. Uh, one of our sponsors of the podcast, Jamie Fox. Um, thank you. So it's a lie. That's a complete lie. We don't have any sponsors. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. The, uh, the, the dry, I love how you said the dry household, not alcohol, but sugar. Um, and, I, and right now what I'm picturing is when you're on the road, you're like hitting up the first gas station outside of the airport being like, I gotta get my Reese's. <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> On the roadie, who knows what? You're getting three desserts at Applebee's. <laughs> yes. And Sierra probably won't listen to this episode. So not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the listening truth. this far though, Sierra. Take care. Um <laughs> the uh um it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I love that Odell. You know, we get we have the we have the privilege of being able to travel around the country um and, and experience different things and 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 be around. Um uh and it's it's funny because you and I when we when we did meet up in Little Rock, I learned that we traveled differently, um, and that when you when you get into a a location, you're pretty much going to the hotel and getting some work done and getting settled, and maybe I mean I don't know if you're eating at the hotel restaurant or picking up fast food on the way or maybe getting delivery. I don't know, but you know, whereas I'm like on Yelp immediately being like, all right, I got 15 minutes to the gig, but where's the best local hot dog spot in between here and the campus? Um, <laughs> Cause I want a story. <laughs> so it's funny, right? I mean, two people who, who are road warriors who uh, just, just handle it a little bit differently. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's just the way I was raised, man. A lot of stuff defaults to, to childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was, I was taught to not trust strangers um in a great way for a variety of reasons uh being a black man in america uh raised by a very conscious father mm -hmm. um you know no matter where you are you're guilty so just you know always be somewhere where you can kind of control the environment and uh so there's that part that was just ingrained in me but then once travel started and my wife Sierra, she used to travel with me before the kids. So when we would travel, it would be fun. But then it's just <laughs> like travel became a duty. And it was yeah. just like, all right, I got to go here. got to get this done. Got to get the work done and all that stuff. And so I've, and I've always been a social introvert. So I don't you have a very uh, big personality. People like you, people like uh, my big bro business partner, Stan Pearson, like mm -hmm. big personalities. I have a really big personality in a small setting um, or if I'm on stage. Right. So those are the only times. So when I come to my also, I have a house full of kids. I got three kids. So when <laughs> yeah, I get no on the road, talk. it's kind of <laughs> like isolation, solitude, peace. You know, I am tranquil. I am cool. <laughs> also, as married men, you can respect this. My wife ain't, she ain't got to even worry about me going nowhere. So it's like, hey, babe, look at the hotel. <laughs> I'm inside the hotel by myself like I've been all the years we've been together. So it's just keeping consistency, man, uh, cutting out the variables. Um, but to to the point when we met up, um, if, if, my, if I have a friend in town mm -hmm. or if I'm going somewhere and I know somebody that I, that I trust that I like being around. Yeah, we can hang out. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's not a problem. I was in um, New Hampshire with the guy we know, uh, Peter Bill, Peter Billigus. Mm -hmm. um, Fellow diner guest. Yeah. Stay, stayed with him. Right. So normally I would not go stay with people, but you know, that's my guy. So yeah. stay with him and hang out. So I said all that to say, when when people see me out and about, yeah, I'm I'm gonna do what I gotta do, but I, I like being alone, man. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I totally. It's funny, you know, since we had Rome, uh, who's now 11, 11 months old, <clears throat> uh, probably about a year when this comes out, but uh, he, uh, uh, it did change the travel game a little bit, right? Now it's the, before it was like, oh, I'm going to a new city. Let me take an extra day. Let me, you know, explore. Let me find all the cool places or maybe take an extra couple of days, right? I remember the first time I spoke at Northern Arizona University, which is up in Flagstaff. Um, it's like an hour and a half from the Grand Canyon. So I was like, I'm adding three days to this trip, right? And like, <laughs> I'm not going to be that close and not do this. Um, and that's that's a, a luxury that has changed um, because now there's it's important to get home, right? There's there's a reason, there's an exciting reason to be home. Um, and so uh, so yeah, and so it's very much last flight out, uh, last flight out possible, first flight out after the gig because you know you got to get home and make sure you're doing what's right around the house. So, um, and the home front. So I, I hear you how it's changed. Um, I also hear you on the, on the silence piece, um, where sometimes like, you hear that? Me neither. Um, <laughs> and I actually have a buddy of mine who, uh, I'm hope this doesn't offend anybody, but here we go. Won't be the first time in diner talks, but he, uh, he has three, he has three, uh, girls and, uh, he's like, man, I'm not even going to lie. He's like, I'm an atheist but I started going to church every Sunday <laughs> just so I can sit somewhere for an hour <laughs> once a week <laughs> and just be, um, he's like, it's actually been very reflective. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, so, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, religions, religion is less about uh, God and more about perspective. So it's, it's funny because I remember when we went to uh, or when we were in Arkansas, we were mm -hmm. driving around and there was like a church. And I, I believe it was Sunday mm -hmm. and it was a church like every block. And I'm from the south, so I'm used to it. Uh, and we had a little discussion about religion. And I, I'm trying to remember the quote that you said. You were like, um, what what was it? Like you said, about you said my own beliefs. Right. Yeah. You said yeah. something to the effect that I'm, I'm not, um, not cocky enough. I'm not, uh, <clears throat> I'm not cocky enough to be an atheist. Um, but I'm not, uh, um, or no, I'm, I'm, oh, what was it? I forget my own line now. Um, yeah. I'm a good speaker, <clears throat> but yeah, it was it something to the effect of like, uh, I'm an atheist. that's willing to have his mind changed or an agnostic right, right, not right, cocky right. enough to be an atheist. Right. Um, right. 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 Is that, so has that changed? No. Got it. Okay. <laughs> it has cool. not. It has well, not. Maybe by the end of this interview, it will. By this some of it. the stuff that I said. Please, man. Be the light. Be the light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Odell, you know, you mentioned your uh you mentioned your father um and growing up. And uh it was, that was a that was a powerful sentence that I make sure I want to make sure we come back. Um, where you know, uh where you said uh some some of the effect of your dad teaching you that as a black man in America, you're 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 always guilty. You're perceived guilty, um, and so you know, be somewhere where you can control your circumstances. You know, th those are lessons that my dad didn't have to teach me. Um, and uh, it's uh, again back to the, the serious side of the privilege conversation, not not just the ashy part. Um, and uh, so, but that that's a powerful sentence, man. You know, I'm wondering, you know, growing up, what was your relationship like with your folks? Yeah, so my my parents, uh, my mom, she immigrated from West Africa, from Liberia. Um, she was like 17, came over here to go to college. Um, she was adopted by my grandma, Mary, um, who lives across the street from my grandma, Christine. Mm -hmm. And so my grandma, Mary, was my grandma, Christine's God, was the God mom to my grandma, Christine's kids, was my aunts and my dad. And so when my mom came over here, my parents, you know, met up. My dad loved the accent, loved the chocolate skin. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But uh, they, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a love story forever. They were married for like 10 years and broke up when I was really young. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up living the most. I lived the most with my mom and my stepdad when she got remarried. But my dad was always there. So it was never like, um, where's my daddy? I don't know who my dad is or anything like that. My dad was always there. And he was very intentional about letting us know. 
I'm an imperfect human. I know you can appreciate this. She's like, I'm an imperfect human. Um, learn from my mistakes. Don't don't make the mistakes that I made. You're gonna make mistakes. Make some different ones. <laughs> <laughs> don't taken. make these. <laughs> uh, so um, he's always just very open with me and telling me. And I remember when I got my license, he said, "All right, we live in. We, I live in Guilford County, but he said we live in Guilty County. Uh, we live in a redneck state." you're black. Like I want you. And I remember having a conversation because as a teenager, you kind of push back mm -hmm. any, like, especially when it sounds like it's trying to hinder your freedom. Like, I got my license. Why are you trying to like, you know, in my head, obviously not, not well, out yeah. loud, but <laughs> in, in my head, I'm like, why is he, you know, trying to, and he's like, nah, I want you to come home. I want you to be safe. Now this is, I turned 16 in 2001. So this is before social media. This is before the stuff mm -hmm. that we see before the George Zimmerman the hashtag before, before the hashtag before all that stuff. So in 2001, James, I'm like, man, this ain't the sixties. Like in my head, I'm like, man, this ain't the sixties kind of dismissively. And my dad, he just, he looked at me and we was in the car. He looked at me. And said, I just want you to come home. I just want you to come home. And it was like in that fraction of a moment, it was like, Hmm. What like what's the big deal still? Because I'm still in this kind of bubble of my own. Went to a predominantly black high school, all that stuff. So then I go to college, NC State. Shout out, shout out, Wolfpack. Wolfpack. <laughs> and I discover that um, <laughs> things are different, man. And so my dad telling me all this stuff. It kind of goes back, like the training that your parents give you. It goes back. I'm reminded to my grandma talking about life growing up, about how she couldn't go down this street and all of it starts coming back. So I've always been super aware of stuff, mm -hmm. um, of things being not fair, things being a little different. But again, and for right or wrong this is the way I was raised. And I tell my audiences this all the time. I was like, my experience is my experience. And I've gotten the results because of how I view my experience and have acted the stuff out. So I've always thought like when I play sports, you know, you've met me, I'm not tall. <laughs> I'm not a tall guy, but I was really good in basketball for a long time because the one thing I could control is how much effort I put in. Mm -hmm. So whenever I thought about anything, business, my marriage, being a father, like everything, like always do more than what's expected. And so that that kind of drove me and it, it race conversation a little bit because you've heard and many people have heard, oh, you got to be twice as good, be willing to accept half the result, all that stuff. But that was a challenge I always put in my mind. It was like always, OK, this is this is where the bar is for me. Let me raise the bar a little bit. Like, let me let me figure out how to how to do it, because it is what it is right now until it's not. So like things are going to change. Things are going to continue to change. Um, things are going to continue to get better. And I always want to, you know, inspire people of that because I have the perspective of my parents um, when when they were younger. I have the perspective of my grandma who turned 90 last week. So she can tell me she's like, things are different. Like they're not ideal all the time, but they're different. They're better. And so just keep making it better and better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, things are different. They're not ideal. They are a little. They are better, but uh, certainly not where they need to be. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, the, that's uh, that's powerful, man. You know, you going to N NC State, uh, a predominantly white institution, um, after being in a predominantly black high school, you had choices going to college, um, right? Like, I mean, great school, NCA and T is there um, in, in the Triangle area, or obviously there are uh, any slew of outrageous institutions in the state of North Carolina, particularly the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, um, where your boy went. And, uh, and so don't laugh. You're laughing too hard at that, Odell. You're laughing too hard. Anyway, so uh, you didn't go to school in the ocean, um, but either way, uh, but there are a lot of great schools, you know, when you went to NC State, was was there a thought of, do I want to go to HBCU? Do I want to go to a PWI? Like where, like, what was that conversation like, you know, in your head? Because, you know, obviously you, you grew up in a family that, 
that cares about its its lineage, its history. Um, you know, mom literally coming here from Liberia um, and whatnot. So it's a part of your life that I know you're proud of. I'm just wondering, you know, when that choice was made, what was that like for you? Man, you didn't tell me that Diner Talks was going to get real. Like, you ain't, you ain't say that. You was... <laughs> It's been a minute since you've been in a diner, man. You haven't been eating any sugar. You can't go out at night. In the, <laughs> in the pre in the in the pre-event conversation, James was like, All right, what are you gonna talk about? You wanna talk about business? You wanna talk about that? We didn't even talk. We, this is this is fresh off everybody. So this it's is a natural conversation. We rolling. So I, I say that because that actually is a really, really deep question. And it was a very, very uh wasn't heated. Like I didn't have many heated arguments with my parents because I backed down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But so I got really good grades in school. Um, the eighth out of a class of, you know, like 300 or something um, in in a high school. So I could have gone to any school. Mm-hmm. Me, I wanted to hoop. I wanted to play basketball. So Fayetteville State, Fayetteville State, North Carolina Central, and one other school I could have like played basketball and my stepdad went to central. And so I'm like, I'm thinking the same thing like you also full disclosure. I'm thinking about the, the, the male to female relation uh, ratio, you know, the women, to men, I'm looking at that too. I'm looking at all of it. And I'm like, these HBCUs are very appealing to me because they have a whole <laughs> lot more women. So I'm, I told, I remember being in the kitchen, I um, applied to NC State, but the coach at Fayetteville State was like, you can come and and play basketball. I, and I'm like, yo, I can go play basketball. But I, I had also, I had a full ride to NC State. So it was like all academics go to NC State. My best friend was going to NC State, like all that stuff. But I'm like, nah, let me go over here and hoop. And so my my mom, my stepdad were like, this isn't a decision for you to make. We're going to make it for you. (laughs) You're you're going, you're going to NC state. And I'm like, why? Like, why do I, I like, I don't need to go to NC state where the ratio is, is three guys to every one, (laughs) one girl (laughs) as a very heterosexual male. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. So that part, but I was like, I can get to play basketball. My stepdad who's like six, one, He's looking over the top of my head and he's like, you think you're going to go to the NBA? He said, let's, he said, let's really think about this. Do you think you're going to go to the NBA? And me being very self-aware, probably not. Like I probably wasn't going to go to the NBA. He said, okay, so what happens next? So you graduate. Um, look, I went to Central. I went to HBCU. I have multiple degrees. Your mom, she went to HBCU. She has multiple degrees from different HBCUs. Go to go to the white school. Go to the white school because the network of people you meet will be more diverse. You will be. You won't. It won't be a whole lot of people like you. You can stand out. And wherever you go in the state of North Carolina, they look at your degree from NC State and they look at a degree, unless it's very specific, they look at a degree from any other school, they're going to be like, okay, you must be smart. No lie, no cap. That's what they told me. And again, my experience, I'm not, I'm not here to say anything's better than anything. I'm just saying what they said to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. That makes sense to me. All right. So I, I, I decided to go to state. And like I said, my best friend, that probably moved the needle a little more. My best friend, who i known since I was 11, we're still friends to this day. He was going to NC State. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're going to be rooming together for four years. So that that was that probably moved the needle a little bit. But that's that's how it happened, man. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I went to NC State because of the result. You know, I met Sierra. I got to do some really dope things, some cool things. Um, and I'll say this before um kind of pass the mic back to you. Whenever that conversation came up, like even after I graduated, what it is what it is. I would go, I would be introduced on stage. I would put NC State University 
in my bio because you know when you first start now you ain't got nothing else <laughs> bishop and you stuff you ain't got nothing else like he's a graduate so many times people said a and t really so many times yeah graduate from north carolina a and t is like it says nc state right there like it says nc state but they just assume that i went to a and t so i'm from greensboro and uh and i'm black so all of those different things man it it there, there were things like their tabs open in the background, right? Like they're just things that, okay, maybe they were right. I don't know. I mean, life has worked out pretty well. It's really hard to say, well, I should have done this if it didn't work out, you know, if it worked out. So that was my experience. That's why I didn't go to HBC. Yeah. I did not know that story, brother. That was, uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a cool conversation to have. What, what a fascinating turn of events that, that moment where, you know, someone's looking down at you and be like, you really going to, you going to NBA, man. My parents are savage, man. Like savage. I, I, here's the thing. Here's what I know. Adele. I know you had handles, right? I know you were good out there. You know what I'm saying? You had the, the quick release on a jump shot for a short man. You good, right? The original Steph Curry. Um, and so I see you, um, <laughs> Well, that was disrespectful, right? <clears throat> uh, but no, <laughs> either way, uh, no, that's amazing that they, uh, I mean, it's amazing that y'all were able to have that, you know, that kind of conversation um, and, uh, and a, a very, a very powerful one at that. Uh, so you decide to go to NC State. You're not playing basketball there. You're still a weak rapper, so you're not doing that there. Um <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to take my shots in while I got the mic on. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> if you could have seen his facial expression when I said that, that was priceless. So should have screenshot of that. But either way, you know, you're talking about how you, you had this dream of being a basketball player, um, but then you decided to go to NC State because you are very strong academically, right? Impressive top 10 rank in a, in a, in a big high school. And so for you, what was the goal early? Like, what were you thinking? Like, you know, if basketball wasn't it, where was what was Odell gonna do? What'd you want to be? Make make a million dollars before I graduate, so I didn't have to graduate. Okay. Straight like that. Like that was the the foolish, ambitious. I man, James, I've I've gone through so many uh iterations of myself, you know. Um, and as as I tell the story, go back, I'm honestly shocked that I listened to my parents. Like honestly, like <laughs> I've ne- I've always been the kid and I'm getting it back from my oldest and my youngest they're so much like me in the sense that you tell them what to do and you make it make sense and they're like all right and then it was good do whatever the heck they want anyway mm-hmm. and then it's like didn't i just say don't do that it's like yeah you said i did it oh well punish me <laughs> like <laughs> and, but that that's how i was like i was i was that kid where it's like okay i see the line i'm not a habitual line stepper i'm gonna jump over that mofo and then hopefully jump back before anything happens. So mm-hmm. I'm surprised I listened to them. But getting to school was kind of like school was always easy for me. Um, it was never anything I really had to think about doing. So I go there, academic scholarship. I'm there with my best friend. Uh, and I'm like, yo, it's it's party time. Like, mm-hmm. let's figure out how we get this money. Um, let's let's figure out how we can graduate as multimillionaires. I had a a quituation date, James. Not a graduation. Quitu. I that's quituation. And you making fun of the rapping. That was the first plan. We were gonna be platinum rap. <laughs> Hand to the sky, man. We was gonna be platinum rappers. I'm dark skinned. My friend light skinned. We was gonna be like a new modern kid and play. No yep. lie. That's what it was gonna be. Uh-huh. Um, and so we we went on that path. We got involved in some other stuff, too. That's when network marketing hit our lives real heavy. But I was I was just trying to figure out how to make a million dollars as quick as possible. That That's what it was. I, I wasn't interested in school um, outside of it's free. There are girls here. You have that controlled. I'm grown, but I can still go home and wash my drawers type thing. <laughs> so that. That's what it was. And I spent the majority of my college years with that foolishness. And I call it foolishness because it was ignorance. 
it was ignorant ambition. Like the goal of making a million dollars is not a bad goal, but right. just the way that I was thinking that it would happen in the time frame was foolish. Um, and so I was just super ignorant, um, really until the end, man, like until my last year. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, uh, knowing you today, uh, I'm not blown away by it. Right. <clears throat> just because, I mean, you, you have always possessed the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Right. From the jump, even in the way that you've hustled in your speaking career. Um, right. And just uh, in the way that you have uh, put yourself out there, the marketing that you've done around yourself and the growth that you've seen around the speaking. Right. Like I, mean, I remember when you kind of I don't know if it was when you first came on the scene or, or you know, I think I think you and I met early in your speaking career um, <clears throat> and. Uh, you know, and, and the numbers you were doing, you weren't excited about, but you're like, yeah, I'm trying this and I'm doing this. And I'm doing that. I got this going on. I got this cooking. I got this. And I'm like, I'm over here like, shit, I'm not doing any of that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, right. Like your hustle is being contagious and helped me uh, get creative in some of the ways that I've marketed myself. And so you have always had uh, the hustler spirit inside of you. So I'm not, I'm not blown away by it. Right. Especially as, as, a, as we hear you talking about your work ethic on the court, um, <clears throat> your work ethic around the home uh, in terms of the way that you carry yourself and, you know, like I got to handle my business and take care of what I got to do. And then I come back to the house. Right. Like, I mean, just the way that you speak, um, <clears throat> you make sure that you are, you're handling what you need to handle because the bigger goal is the most important thing. And so I'm not blown away by it. I'm also someone who is a firm believer of uh, begging for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. So I'm a line jumper myself. Um, and so, uh, so I get it. I piss a lot of people off in traffic where I literally jumped the line. I don't know what we're all waiting over here in the right lane for, but anyway, <clears throat> so you're that guy, you're that guy. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm going to be a little bit nicer to that guy then. Cause <laughs> like, who is this? You think oh, you're better than everybody, man. No, I don't do that. I don't, I actually don't yell in traffic. My wife, um, I don't think you've ever met Sierra, but she's okay. the meekest, kindest, quietest woman until she gets in traffic. I, <laughs> I, it's like, she will beat the horn fat. I'm like, babe, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And I'm somebody cut me off and I'll just be like, well, we didn't die, so everything's fine. And she's like, how could you not do that? And she's trying to beep the horn for me. So, But I'll be kinder to that guy now. Like, I'm like, oh, that might be somebody like James. <laughs> <laughs> He's really a nice guy with a nice beard, so it's fine. Thank you. Thank you, Odell. That's all I need. That's all I need. You know, and also, you know, when it comes to this hustler spirit, like you've written, I, I mean, how many books have you written? Seven, six, five? 10. 10. Wow. That's crazy, right? Uh, perfected passion produces prosperity. Uh, eight things my parents didn't tell me about money. America's Guide to Financial uh, Personal Success. Young America's Guide. The Time Between. Paid to Speak. Why I Fired My White Best Friend. Uh, I mean, like the list, <clears throat> the list goes on. The Success Choice, right? Like in this, barely out of college, barely out of wealth. Um, the, uh, uh, right. Like it's, it's there. I don't know. I mean, you're like Hamilton out here. I don't understand how you're writing this much. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but again, it is, um, it's compelling to see. And so I guess a question for you is where does the hustle come from and why does it, uh, why does it still, uh, perpetually navigate, um, your choices? Yeah, man. I so I've written 10 books. Um, I'm actually working on one right now. Uh, also, I love to write first and foremost. So I think um, <clears throat> my career and being a speaker and, and all that stuff was grounded in the whole premise of how can I make the most money the quickest, um, really, uh, with what I'm good at. And so I remember a mentor of mine when I was in college, he was like, so what are you going to do? It's like, I don't really know. Um, and he said, maybe you should be a speaker is my public speaking professor, Dr. Pond. Uh, may he rest in peace. So maybe you should be a speaker. 
but I didn't really want to speak mm-hmm. like that. That's, that's like the, the secret that I don't really share. I wanted to write. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be like JK Rowling. I wanted, like, I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. But 2007, when I graduated, it was kind of like you draw a line down the middle. There's writing and then there's speaking, speaking. You know, I majored in communication. So I was always the guy that they said, Ooh, you could present this. You can stand up in front of the class and you can present it. You do it. And so that was me. Mm. And so it was all, you're the one that's going to be the spokesperson. You're this person. You're that person. Cool. No problem. I've always done it. Never, never worried about it. And then Dr. Pond says, Oh, you're a really good speaker, blah, 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 blah. But then it was on the other side. I was like, I want to write, I want to write creative novels. I want to write fiction. I want to write uh, those, those kind of no nonsense business books. I want to write all that stuff. Cause I love reading that stuff. And so I couldn't James figure out, how to make money quick from writing. <laughs> I just couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, 2007, you don't have Amazon KDP. You don't have, you're basically trying to get a book deal. I don't know how long that's going to take right. versus over here in the speaking. When I started going down that rabbit hole, it's like, oh, well, you know, colleges pay speakers at that time. The The magic number for me was $2,500 a speech. It was like $2,500. That's a month's check from the job I was working. So, yo, twenty five hundred, yo. Even after expenses, I'm getting you know maybe eighteen hundred coming home. I do a couple of those and I'm killing it, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's where it, it went. But I, I still always wrote because that's what I love to do. And also for me as a speaker, it's easier for me to create something and then I just teach on it. So like when you were reading some of the titles, eight things my parents didn't tell me about money. I have a financial literacy program for um, access programs for a trio and and gear up in different groups. So when I wrote that book, it was kind of like, okay, this is all the stuff that I wish I would have learned about money. I could teach this to teenagers. So now my presentation is all about that. So it's just very easy to reference and quote myself than it is to let me try to figure out this thing. So it became a process. It's like every time I was trying to figure out, I mean, you, and I know you, you know, this and some of your listeners, you're trying to figure out like, what the heck am I going to like speak about? It's like, well, what can I write about? Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what can I write about all this stuff? And it's like, Oh snap. Okay. That's just like my new book. That's going to be coming out. Public speaking profits, uh, how to 10 X your income, build celebrity and authority with the power of public speaking. It's like, all I'm doing is writing down the things that I've been doing the last couple of years that have magnified my income. And it's like, Oh, this is really easy to write about. So then when I start presenting it, it's like, wow, it's got such a handle on the content. It's like, I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote the content, So it's pretty easy to do. Yep. <laughs> That's real. That's real. It's also interesting to think about, you know, what comes first. Um, and what, what's the thing that we like the most and therefore how do we build the business so that we can keep doing the things that we like and other things feed it. Right. Um, it's a little chicken or the egg, a lot of, a lot of, I know a lot of people come talk to you. You coach a lot of individuals and who want to be speakers. Now you're writing books about it, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I've had a fair number of people ask me, you know, how'd you get here? How'd you start, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people think they can't be a speaker until they write a book. That's not the case, right? Like I wrote a, I wrote a speech, the speech sold. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty popular speech. I should turn it into a longer product and made it into a book. I set this up for you, Odell. Um, this book here because <laughs> I wanted to market. Um, but, <laughs> but still, the, uh, at the end of the day, it's what brings you the most joy mm. and then what will allow you to keep doing the things that bring you the most joy. Maybe that means having to do a couple things that aren't as sexy, like, you know, like, we were talking a little bit offline and you said, you know, I really love to speak. Um, it's what I love to do, but it's not, it's not my most favorite thing in the world. Right. right. It's something that you have a passion for a talent for, um, and, and you're, and you're very good at it, but just because that's there doesn't necessarily mean that's what we want to spend all of our time doing. And so as we start to see our, uh, our life is a pie chart, you know, what do we want to have the biggest piece? 
And what are those smaller pieces doing to feed our opportunity to make sure that that piece that we care the most about stays the biggest? And so, uh, so I, I, I totally get that. Um, and so it's cool to kind of hear a little bit about the ins and outs of, of that work. For sure, man. And, I, and I'll add this too, um, because connected to your question earlier about where is the drive, where is the hunger come from? I have always been thinking, all right, about when I turn 40, I just want to be able to go to a cabin somewhere and, uh, and bang out a bestseller while the, while the family's there and all this stuff. And, you know, I'll be 40 in four years. So it's like, this is getting really real. Like I, I, like I could, I could really make this happen. And, um, and so it's one of those things, man, like you said, with the pie chart and all that stuff, the realization that I can do what I love and make a lot of money and help a lot of people is one of those things. I think as, as a professional speaker, as a professional communicator or author or what have you, it's hard to quantify that feeling or like really explain what that feeling is like. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's possible. And then, you know, living the life and, and knowing is just, you just have to structure the business the way that it is and we all make this stuff up right um that's why i love you know your premise of imperfect leadership and all that stuff all this stuff is made up mm -hmm. all of the stuff that we see around us somebody made it up in their mind I, i'm tired of standing up what if we had this device this mechanism maybe a furniture that we could rest our bottoms on so we wouldn't have to stand up you're crazy Yes, but I will make it happen. A chair, like whatever, like however that happens. I, everybody makes it up first. Mm -hmm. You make it up and then it happens. And so the the ability to be able to like be intricately part of that, you know, as a speaker that, you know, speaks different messages to people. It's one of those things where um, my friend Frank Kitchen, he always says, we got to drink our own Kool-Aid. Like we got to drink our own Kool-Aid, the stuff that we believe, the stuff that we say, oh, you can manifest or you believe it, you can achieve it and all that stuff. Do it. Yeah. So that that's another reason I want to be that for my kids. I want to be that for my wife and for other people. So it's like, man, where did he come from? Like, how did he do that? How did they do that? It's yeah. like I literally made it up. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, too. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, your goal in college, uh, your goal in college was to make a million dollars so you could make it to your quituation date. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, so I'm wondering, you know, we got, we got family, we got life, life has changed a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what, what's the goal that you're working towards right now? Bestseller is one of them. What, what, what else you got on the list? Yeah, man. Um, gosh, I wish I like, I, in a sense, I do get to talk to young Odell in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. I look at pictures and stuff and talk to him, but I, the, the big thing for me now, um, is, is lifestyle. It's lifestyle and being able to give my kids and if they decide to have kids, um, to give them that view of, oh, snap, like you can do this. Also, you know, my wife, um, my wife is not, you know, like Tina, your wife. She has no desire to be a professional speaker, but she wants or she has her own business and she wants to grow that business. So the 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 things that stopped me early on, I don't want her to have those same impediments. I want her to be able to freely go, OK, well, shoot. Yeah, I'm going to spend $10,000 on this coach because my man got it, right? Like my husband got me or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to do this event because I know even if it doesn't work out, I have that safety net directly living in my house. And so I just want to be the the source of more people's dreams coming true starting in my house. Um and then as we as we go out and that's that's really why um me and Stan started Namka because Stan, he's done more uh, in, in years and more in, in income, probably. I don't know. We haven't calculated lately, but <laughs> he's done more um, than me. So we when we got together, we were like, 
what can we build is like bigger than ourselves? Like what can we do to help give people the head start that we didn't have so that we can create those success stories? Because it's seeing those success stories, just like I know you've had this experience where you people that you spoke to 10 years ago, they're grownups, they have families and all this stuff. And they see you it's like, man, I remember your speech. And I remember that it's like that feeling is like, it is, it's a crazy feeling that I believe that God, James, look at me when I, that, that God, he gave us the opportunity to have, to recreate because success is only success if it can be recreated. And so that, that's, that's the feeling that I want now. Every, so every time I do a coaching program, every time I write a book, I'm, I'm going after that feeling. And what happens is when I go after that feeling, I get money. (laughs) And the better I am at explaining how people can get to that feeling, the more money I get. It's a beautiful universe that God, James, Mm. (laughs) that God created ever expanding universe. I'm going to say this last part. I'm going to say this last part because I told you at the beginning, I was like, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you to believe. So the world was designed and was built to expand. You know why that is? You know, I'll explain how, because we don't know why. I'll explain how. If you could explain the seven days thing too, that'd be great. The seven days is, (laughs) it's not about time. It's about how we view time. First of all, that's the first thing you never know. Like time, it's like seven days. You ever been with your lady? And it's like, man, time went by so fast. It wasn't three days. It didn't feel like three days, right? Time is it's all about perspective, man. But that's another conversation for another day. But an apple, if anybody, if you can imagine an apple, you cut the apple in half, you can count how many seasons in that apple. You say, oh, it was two seasons, four seasons. Oh, it's a very fruitful apple. It's eight seasons in this apple. I ain't never seen an apple with eight seasons. But anyway, so then if I eat the apple, I consume the apple but I, I let the seeds go to the ground. How many apples could come out of one seed, James? How many? Just answer that question real quick. How many, how many apples could come out of one seed? Just one. Hundreds. Hundreds, right? Hundreds. The, you consume, but, but see, here's the thing. You consume to create. Oh, you're going to get that one on the way out. When you're editing this, mm. oh, you're going to get it on mm. the way out. You consume to create. And so we've got to be many creators. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody right now, right now. <laughs> but I said all that to say, man, that that's where I am right now. It's like, how can I create more of these opportunities? Like every word is a seed. Every book is a seed. Every program is a seed. And it's like, if I get all those seeds out there, all of them won't come up and produce a harvest. But out of 10, maybe three will. So that's success for me. Yeah. That's a church saying, man. You consume to create. You consume to create. See, mm-hmm. most of the people just consume just to consume for themselves. Yeah. You consume so you can create more and give more people the opportunity to Pay be forward. creative. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> open the doors for others uh, who don't recognize that they have the power to open the door themselves sometimes. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, but first of all, that's beautiful. Second, thanks for taking me to church. Third, <clears throat> uh, you know, you mentioned NAMCA. If you could just really quick uh, flush out that acronym for us um, and tell us a little bit of, of what you and Sam uh, are planting. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Stan, I know what you meant to say. I know what you meant to say, Stan. <laughs> I said Stan. He said Sam. Sam? I don't yeah. know who Sam is. Stan Pearson, the third. Stan, <laughs> I, I know you know who he is. Buenos dias. For sure. <laughs> so NAMCA, because in higher ed, we love acronyms, right? We got to have them. Uh, is the National Association of Masterminds and Co-Curricular Advancement. And the whole idea of NAMCA is to produce and create unique professional development opportunities for those that work in higher education. Because most people that work in higher education are overworked. Uh, underpaid and they they really they're either disgruntled and don't want to say anything because they don't want to cut their uh their you know their their job off and they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or they're very enterprising and and they can kind of work around the system and we just help bring those opportunities 
to higher ed people. We help um, kind of reframe their minds around higher education and what it means to serve students and different things like that. So that's that's like the front end of NAMCA, right? That's what we do on the front end. On the back end with our associates, what we do and, and our partners is we basically say, hey, we've got this group of enterprising, entrepreneurial higher ed people that plan co-curricular events and they're looking for speakers. They're looking for talent. They're looking for acts and let's, let's get together. And where we kind of separate from the, you know, the, the NACAs, the, the APCAs, the NASPAs where we separate is really in two areas where we focus more on building up the higher ed professional as an individual. We focus more on that, but then we also focus on bridging that gap between those that want to work with college students and at colleges. And we, we give you warm introductions and we transfer trust. Um, we met at, uh, I think we met for the first time at NCSL um, when I snuck in, by the way, that's FYI. I didn't, <laughs> wasn't even supposed to be there, uh, but like three people dropped out. I was like three people dropped out of something. And then they called me like three weeks before the event. And we're like, can you still do this one that we rejected? two months ago. And I'm like, of course I can. And so I, I got in and NCSL is really cool. A lot of those, you know, um, lead 365, like those groups, but they do it like everybody else does. They don't, they, they don't, for whatever reason, logistically or whatnot, they don't go from, Hey, James, how are you? This is Stan. Stan works at this school in Missouri they hire keynote speakers for their conference every year. Stan, do y'all have a speaker? No, we're actually still look. Well, James is a great speaker. Boom. That like they don't go the extra step. And like I said at the beginning, like we always want to go the extra step. Like what would I have wanted somebody to do for me when I first started? And that was it. Um, so that that's what Namca is all about. And that's why we're really excited um, to to be launching Namca Namca Live coming in 2022. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, that's incredible. You are right. Higher ed is indeed, uh, in, indeed soup and the lead 365 NCSL. Those are all college student leadership conferences, NASPA as well for higher ed, pre, higher education professionals. Now, for those of you not in the, in the higher ed soup world, um, but, uh, you said a really powerful phrase, um, uh, which, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing it as our job to transfer trust. That's a big, that's a big phrase. That's a cool phrase. Um, and, uh, it is a, uh, no easy task, but when you have quality on both sides, it becomes easier. Um, especially, uh, especially when the conduit looks as good as Namka does. And so, um, but transferring trust is such, I don't know, it's just, that's just a, it's got me reeling a little bit. Like, what do I do as a speaker and how do I transfer trust to the audience so that they listen to the rest of my talk, right? Like Jay-Z once said famously, first I have their ear, now I have their hearts. Um, and, uh, right. It's uh, that similar, that similar thing. Um, and that's, that's just, a, I don't know that, that, that phrase is going to stick with me for a little while because, uh, that's, that's the power of sales. Um, really. Um, and why do we buy the things we buy? Um, not just cause they're shiny, um, but because they, they made us feel something. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was well said, sir. I appreciate that phrasing. For sure, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all mm -hmm. professional communicators and like I tell everybody, use what works for you. Like anybody listening to this, if, um, if you're in the business of words, like me and James, like find some good words, put them together and uh, and make them your own and use them to, to help somebody do something positive. You know, and if they're alliterative, alliterative, even better. Uh, For sure. <laughs> Alliteration For sure. sales. Alliteration and rhyming sales. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just going to let all the 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 uh, the undertones of, of you questioning my my rap prowess. I'm going to let all that pass and call it like we're friends. So I'm not <laughs> going to say anything about that. And so in the beginning, I wasn't saying that I'm the greatest rapper. I was saying all of those things together, like speaker, rapper, all like there's no combination. I'm, and I've, I, this is a standing challenge I've done for years. Anybody that can do all of them, at the level that I can do them, I am looking for that person that can rap as good as me. Mm -hmm. 
and speak as good as me and write as good as me and all and hoop as good yeah. as me. Like all of those things together. Like that, that's what I meant. I didn't mean I'm the best speaker. No, I don't think that. Not the <laughs> definitely not the best rapper at all. Um, but yeah, but you know, that that's what I meant. Sure. Yeah, I knew what you meant, but it's funnier if I break them apart and pick them apart. That's that's the funnier thing to do, Odell. So that's why I did that. You understand, right? <laughs> and by the way, I think you and I need to get together because I may give you a run for money and money of these things because I'm lethal in the post. All right. So let's go. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm unfortunately three six four, so I wasn't doing anything at that height in the post in the big leagues. <laughs> but yeah, hope you got all. good knees still. <laughs> I, I have you like oh, it, those, oh yeah. quick tit, those quick twitch muscles. Hope mm -hmm. they work. Oh, yeah. you know I'm gonna wear knee braces. I already know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it, Odell. Here's here's the last thing I wanted to touch on with you now uh, because uh, you are a master marketer. Um, and marketing is something that there are some humans that are really great at it. There are some humans who think they're great at it. So they do it a lot and it's painful. Um, and then there are more humans. I believe the most humans that don't think they deserve it. That don't think they have something to market that don't think they, they get in their own way. They're writing a story. And I sometimes fall in this category where, I think that marketing and selling is a, um, how would I put it? It, it? it fights my accommodator that's inside of me. I feel like I'm burdening people by telling them, hey, you know, I think I got something that could be really good for you, right? Like, so a lot of people write themselves, uh, write a lot of stories about themselves when it comes to marketing. And 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 to kind of close our conversation, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Um any of those three, but mainly the third one of like, how do, how do you get out of your own way and realize you got something that is worthy of telling other people that you got something? For sure, man. I would say whenever we're in the process of discovery, it helps to look around. Um, you just look at everything in your house, look at everything that you have that, that you bought. Somebody sold it to you like everything no matter how you how you position it in your brain uh somebody sold it to you and the thing about sales a lot of people think that sales is something if i'm selling something something i'm doing to somebody that they don't want done when it's actually the opposite i want you to sell me something i just want it to be really good for me like that that's it i want you to, like i want that thing um, so just like when you um, somehow coerced Tina into marrying you, like however you did that, whatever that looked like, it wasn't something that you were doing to her as far as I'm going to trick her. I'm going to make sure that like, no, nah, it was like we're doing this thing together. And so I think a lot of people for um, for a variety of reasons in our minds, we think I'm selling something to somebody. They're not going to like it or, you know, they're not going to like me or we have those pushy salespeople, right. That email us 19 times a day or that, you know, try to, you know, call us cold call from, from wherever, whatever country, whatever business is like, they're trying to sell us a manufacturer warranty or something. Like we get all those thoughts in our head because we're like, those are bad experiences, but we just got to be the good guys and never make anybody feel like they have to do anything. It's like, if this is something that you want to do, then you do it. And, and one thing that I always do, and I believe it was Seth Godin, um, who kind of coined the phrase permission marketing, hmm. you just get people's permission. It's like, if you, hey, can I, and I tell the story all the time, and I know we're um, short You're on good, time, man. but it's like when I, story. when I when I fell in love with hip hop, um, I got to thank uh, Bethany Anderson, my high school crush, um, who I actually never, um, we never dated or anything. And she was just like really cool. Um, but she was listening to music and I was scared to talk to her. I asked her what she was listening to. She told me she was listening to Ready to Die. Now, I didn't grow up listening to rap music. Very, very conservative household, all that stuff. So I knew it was rap music, but I didn't know like who it was or anything like that. She let me listen to it. And whenever I'm telling the story 
at an to an audience i say now she gave me her cd y'all that means that if she wanted to talk to me or she wanted to get the cd back she had to come to me so it was like i got permission to continue the conversation by getting her cd because i had something of hers and so I, i that granted me permission the best thing that we can do in marketing or whatever is just get people's permission like can i can I reach out to you? And then they'll they'll do this. They'll either tell you no, mm-hmm. tell you nothing, or say yes. Like yep. th- that's it. They'll either tell you no or tell you nothing, which is mostly what happens, or they'll say yes. And so if you can kind of divide it in those thoughts. And then you justify why they do whatever. I mean, you can say, oh, my, my copy wasn't right or whatever. But it's just a matter of, well, maybe the thing that I wanted to give them or sell them, they didn't want it at this time. You've had the experience tons of times. Where they're like, oh, they saw you at a conference. Oh, we loved you. We fill out all star, all five stars for your thing. And then it's like, hey, can you? Oh, we just hire somebody. We hire somebody else. And it's like, for real? Yeah, we got our speakers for the next two years, but hey, we'll we'll get back to you. And it's like, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. And then it's like, oh, snap, like I must be really good. It's like, <laughs> it's just the timing of it. And so if we can kind of divorce ourselves from selling stuff to people is bad, because that's what we think. And then just connect it to, well, if this good, if I explain and communicate the good that I have for you, in the right context, then you'll buy when you're ready. Like that little shift mm-hmm. will help everybody who is not. Um, I don't know if I should sell them something. I don't know. It's like, man, have something to sell everybody, students, even. So I have something to sell them. And again, you're not pushy about it. You just get them permission. Like, hey, is this something that you want? Cool. If not, go forth with it. And I think it depends on your personality. I know you're a nice guy. Uh, you want to be a nice guy. And so just be a nice guy. And and I'll say this because I want people to, to listen to the end because I say something crazy at the end. I want them to listen to that. But if I was a drug dealer, James, I would be a real nice drug dealer. Like I, I would not I would not be pushy. I would not be mean or anything like that. If If somebody owed me money, I would just say, hey, look, I don't want to have to get Roy on you because Roy is my hit man. Roy will kill you. I don't want to have to do that. Right. In this hypothetical scenario, I don't want to have to do that. So just give me my money. Cause if you don't, I don't like blood. I'm just going to, I don't want to see it. So just get it done. But they'll be like, Oh, thanks, Mr. Drug dealer. I appreciate you, you know, having given me a net 15 on my drugs. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, so I'm not I'm not a hard sales guy at all. Like I don't I don't do that. So just just be you. Offer something good and uh, see if they want it. I love it, brother. You know, from going from uh, Biggie's ready to die to telling me you'll be a nice drug salesman. <laughs> I mean, if I remember correctly, you know, I'm I'm trying to go back through the track listing. I believe that was one of the ten crack commandments. If I'm, uh, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, there you go. See, y'all. you had, see, you got your quote and commandments. See, see, you know where Biggie got ten crack commandments from? I do. Yes, I do. From yeah. the ten commandments in yeah, the Bible. See, James, we're here, man. We are. We are here. We are here. The yeah. altar is ready for you. Um, cue the cue the organ. <laughs> cue the organ. Altar is always open, man. Whenever you're ready, bro. Curie eleison. So, brother, I. The first off great advice um you know get the permission um and uh yeah i think i think that makes sense and i think everybody anybody who's in the in the business of sales whether you call it sales or not knows that a warm lead is better than a cold lead um and by getting that permission it just it just opens the door to conversations um and it's it's also trusting that you have something that other people want right and and other people are telling you that um, it's not like you just like came up with some random idea and you're like, well, let's see if they want a hosable what's it's right. Like it's no, like, you know, for the most part, if you're in the position, if you're listening to this, then you know that you got something. Um, and, uh, and so 
it's you know my buddy Sam Davidson talks about this in a, a Venn diagram of where passion, uh, talent, and a need meets. Um, and uh, if you only have two of those, then you're always going to feel a little unfulfilled or won't be as successful, right? Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so that's um, that's powerful, brother. I really appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming in to the diner and kicking it with me. Uh, it's so special. For sure, man. Where is our food at? Our food has not gotten here yet. Worst diner ever. Waffle House, man. Sometimes <laughs> it's worth the wait, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still don't know how those short order cooks remember all those things. I, I have no either. idea. That's I just magic. think they just make a bunch of generic stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, I think we can. They wanted some waffles and some grits and some somebody's going to eat it. Someone, yeah, someone ordered this in the store. Uh, <laughs> Odell, I appreciate you coming through, man. Odell, let people know where can they find any of your 10 books? Um, ironically, as a marketing professional, they're not on your website. Um, but uh, <laughs> let people know. You got to call them out at the end here, folks. Um, but seriously, where can they find any of your awesome 10 books? Um, stay in touch about Namka stuff and just learn more about you. Yeah, I would say the best way to get a hold of me is Instagram um, at Odell Bazell. The only Odell Bazell on there or LinkedIn, Odell Bazell. Uh, any of my books, if you just go to Amazon, I mean, everything's got a search engine now. You just go to Amazon, Odell Bazell the second. I'm, I promise I'm the only one that's going to pop up and it'll be a variety of books on there. The next book that's going to be coming out is Public Speaking Profits. Uh, so if if you're interested in learning how to uh, 10x your revenue, uh, build celebrity, build authority, um, that book is going to be the book for you. But just go to Amazon. It'll be on there. Odell Bazell. Two Z's, brother. two L's. Such a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much, man. Always great seeing you. For sure, man. Same Hell to yeah. you. Hell yeah. Y'all, that was my time with Odell Bizell. And now that he is off the air, I can actually tell you that he is the greatest basketball player, rapper, speaker, published author in the history of the world that I know. But I won't give him the satisfaction to tell him that to his face. But either way, <laughs> I am honored that he came in and talked about such powerful topics. I loved hearing the story uh, about how the it came to be that he decided not to go to an HBCU uh, and decided to go to NC State and pursue that career but he had a quituation date uh i think that's an interesting concept that a lot of us can think about because a lot of times we're stuck in these jobs we're stuck in relationships we're stuck in places where we're like i wanted something more i wanted something different maybe set a quituation date for yourself uh, on that and just the power of trust that he discussed and uh and knowing that you have something to market and then just to do it by asking permission it was a great episode hanging out with a great man and a dear friend odell bazell thank you all so much for coming in the diner and kicking it with me and as always my friends until next time keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions you all take care thank you so much for tuning into this episode of diner talks with james it was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth (laughs) (laughs) if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button that would be dope and also if you could leave a review on itunes well come on now you're gonna make me blush (laughs) also if you want to be a part of the action we record these live on youtube live every wednesday night at nine o'clock p.m eastern standard time go to youtube and type in james t robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next also While we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.